Hey, y'all, if you're enjoying this podcast, take two seconds, send it to five friends. Um, Some of the top episodes would be the self-confidence, masculinity, and the Byron Rogers podcast if you want to send uh, some of the top ones to them. Otherwise, just take 30 seconds and review it on whatever podcast uh, application you use, whether it be Spotify, YouTube, Google, iTunes, Amazon, any of them. Thank you. Today's podcast is brought to you by AssaultLimited.com. Even when you aren't saying anything, you're saying something. Let your gear say the right thing for you. That's where Assault Limited comes in. Assault Limited offers tactical versions of things you use every day. The Assault Pen is a great quality, intimidating looking pen with a pinpoint tip used for self-defense or to break glass. The Assault Spork has so many different tactical uses, we only have time to highlight a few. It's a spoon, a fork, a wrench, a carabiner, and a bottle opener. The possibilities are endless. The Assault Pencils and the Assault Straws, well, they both look pretty badass and they both tell political correctness to take a long jump off a short bridge when you need things and you want them to be the best quality while issuing a statement to anyone else who sees look at assaultlimited.com also sponsoring today's podcast is urban savage urbnsvg.com the best quality apparel available american made t-shirts and sweatshirts that fit great with the quality that will outlast the creepy battery bunny The Date Night Tee, which is the badass's version of the subtle embroidered logo t-shirt that so many of us grew up with. And the hats are 100% American made, not just embroidered here like so many others. Ooh, and those sweatshirts are so damn comfy. The next time you're thinking about scoring a new piece of gear, remember to check out urbnsvg.com. Last but not least, today's podcast is brought to you by A3 Body Protectant. A3 was designed when Martin noticed that Hawaiian surfers who spend their entire lives in the sun had radiant, healthy skin. After plenty of awkward questions about how seriously they take their skin care, he learned the secrets. Hawaii's best secret is now available at A3Equip.com. That's A3EQUIP.com. A3 is a truly natural cream that can be used as a skin lotion, a lip balm, a hair conditioner, honestly, anywhere you want to keep moist and healthy get yours today at a3equip.com all doctors to the er do these guys have any idea what they are talking about talking about talking about get squared away spiritual get squared away emotional get squared away mental Get squared away. Physical. The podcast that'll help you get squared away. Well, we are uh, we are back here again, doing the damn thing. <laughs> I uh, I was excited to read this week that the Pentagon had ad- has added DGI, the world's largest drone manufacturer, to its blacklist. Really? Oh yeah, you know it has ties to Chinese military and government. Everything's Chinese, man. Come on. Yeah, but have you seen any of this crazy shit like uh, crazy low bid contracts where they can't even be possibly making any money given to Chinese companies to build infrastructure like cell phone and power infrastructure near United States military bases and shit? No. Oh, yeah. You know, makes no sense. I don't remember what. Where did I hear? I think it was on. Yeah, I'm not even gonna remember where I heard it, but it was it was on a podcast or on a, a a YouTube video I was watching. But it basically broke down the uh, the amazing amount of um, our telecom and power industry that is, excuse me, managed or ran or supplied by 
um, Chinese companies. And to the point that a lot of these um, military areas have put forth like um, whatever you would call it, basically forcing the companies to pull out all of this old equipment and update it with trustworthy equipment. But the fact that you can tell someone they have to do it, but if it's $10 billion and they can't get the equipment, they just can't do it. You know, so like they're not able to actually there's there's still tons of Huawei hardware, you know, within 50 miles of military bases that could be uploading or or grabbing signals or downloading or who knows. Like, well, yeah, hmm. pretty sweet. No. Which doesn't seem like a problem at all, right? Well, I just figured, I mean, don't you have an administration that is uh, feeding info to China anyways on a free basis? Yeah, who knows? But I'm sure it's it, there's a difference between feeding strategic information versus like recording the everything coming in and out yeah. of a specific base, right? Yeah. Like, and, it, and a lot of these are um, IBM bases. Dang. Yeah. Goes back to last week when you're we talking about uh, having camera surveillance. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you ever seen Ron Gone Wrong? No, I don't think I have. Oh, my kid wanted to watch it again last night, so we did. Basically, it's about this uh, company called Bubble, which in this cartoon completely mirrors Apple. Okay. And they come up with uh, this best friend bot. It basically looks like a um, looks like the old Max. Oh, yep. It looks like an R two D two. Yep. So every kid, you know, gets a a bot, and that bot is their best friend bot, and that bot literally takes all everything about that kid and through the movie okay spoiler alert but through the movie the kids think that oh well this bot is just doing everything that i like and taking all my interests and everything and then towards the end of the movie you realize the the ceo of bubbles like no we just push these things out because it makes us millions and millions of dollars because we can sell to these kids we know what they like we can sell directly to them and influence them and we're just gathering data and these this data center that's underground below this bot you know office building is just like skyscrapers of data and data that are collected on these millions of kids so it's yeah i feel like I, I feel like i've seen something like that before but it doesn't sound exactly i'm sure there's probably five movies out there that are similar to that but pretty cute it's the only one i've seen that's like i mean it was pretty like woo. yeah the one the one that i'm thinking of was uh I don't remember. It was it was it was cartoon, but it was the daughter. The dad doesn't allow the kids that really have technology and the CEO of the big robot company ends up being manipulated by a head artificial intelligence to build this new artificial intelligence that everybody wants to have. But it turns out they're just basically creating a robot to imprison the human race and the whole family has to, like, take on the. But it, that mm. one's good. I wonder which one that is. Uh, something versus the world or the 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 McClarskys versus the world or I don't know. Some whatever. Wow. But yeah. that one is good. OPEC's going to cut uh, cut oil production. So that's good. Really? Yep. Yep. In November. Oh, boy. It's not a political move, though. They announced it wasn't political. What was it? It's not like they're. Overproducing. Well, yeah, but they announced it's not political, so it's fine. All right. 
I'm sure it's not political. I mean, it's kind of like uh, the it's politicians supply and demand, right, right now. It's like supply and demand. If you control supply, you get to control price. Yeah. I mean, o- OPEC demand, is a monopoly. Demand is pretty high. Yeah, I know. So. Well, when you have high demand and then you reduce the, the supply, prices yeah, go up. Prices are automatically. So. I don't know. They skyrocketed up. They've tapered off a little bit and went down. And now it's just, I don't know. They're back up it's now. Such a yo-yo. Really? I think it's 420 this week. 420. For here. Yeah, $4.20 $4. for gas. It's under four bucks right now. It was 420 this week. I filled up at 420. Okay. Yeah. I think it's, it, it's under four now. Okay. Because, yeah, premium was at five and then it's down to 463 here. Still but, seven bucks in California. Yep. They're the hardest hit. So, what else you got for uh, um, lovely news? NATO issued an alert. Uh, to members of the NATO nations that a Russian submarine carrying doomsday weapons system has gone missing. <laughs> I'm not sure. What, how, do, how does a submarine go missing? Seems like there might be like some sort of Apple tag tracking system in there or something. <laughs> you know? I don't know. This could be uh, what's that movie with Sean Connery? Red October? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> could be one of those situations. You took it. Somebody jumped in. Somebody jumped on. They, they, had, yep. they had the top open to air it out because one of the dudes in there farted and it was smelled awful. And then some <laughs> dude jumped in and took over. Yep. It's got to be it. Got to be Sean Connery. Gosh. Sean Connery. No. I think, that's, I think that's the list of my current events that I saw this week. Yeah. I don't um, think I got much else. Nope. Not it. Um, let's talk about the oh, run on into empires. We, uh, yeah, we we kind of alluded to it at the end of at the end of last week's podcast, but the rise and fall of empires, or the or, new world order, basically. Um, which there have been a handful of empires for the last two thousand years, but. For the first probably 1,500 years, those empires were all created by um, basically conquerors, right? So you had Alexander the Great. You had Genghis Khan. Yeah, I said Genghis because that's how it's supposed to be pronounced, not Genghis. I'm fucking historically accurate here today. (laughs) Um, That was the Mongolian (laughs) Empire. You had the wow. Greek Empire, which then rolled into the Roman Empire, which was one of the most powerful advanced empires ever. Um, the Ottoman Empire, the Persian Empire, all these were basically small countries that started to conquer everything around them. And because of intelligence and military might and the ability to get people to follow them, they created these giant empires. The Persians. Reminds me of the Spartans, right? Like, what what was the what was the dude, uh, the, the leader of the Persians? Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, I don't know the weird dude with all the face he with all the face the... stuff. Yeah, yeah. Leonidas. No, no. no uh, Leonidas, Leonidas was, was the Spartans. Um. Yeah. Anyways. Uh. Yeah. And so, so these are giant empires, but they were all they were all created by conquerors. Whereas, in the last five hundred or so years, the Conquering has sort of been less of a military conquering and more of a business conquering. And a lot of my a lot of my stuff here today comes from Ray Dalio's books, Principles of a New World Order. 
And he's also got a 45 minute amazing YouTube video where he breaks all this, this entire book down to really actionable points. And well, you guys can watch that video and get a lot more out of it than, than kind of what I'm going to be able to, to give you today. But there are certain things that, that make a superpower. And Ray started by, he was a stock market broker that he was just an average, he was an average broker. He was not anything amazing, but he saw when Nixon basically rebuked the promise to trade dollars in for gold and there was no longer a gold standard. And he expected that to crash the market. And so he went into work early the next day, expecting to, to watch the market basically plummet. And, it, and the exact opposite happened because of the devaluation of the dollar. The price of everything goes up because what used to cost a dollar is now going to cost two dollars. So the actual number on every single stock went up drastically. And uh, so he, it, it really messed him up because he was like, I totally expected one thing to happen and something completely different happened. Why? Why is this? Well, then he's a the type of introspective guy that starts breaking things down. And he's like, oh, I see that this exact thing happened. And I think it was like 1930, 33, 34, 35, somewhere in there. And the same exact thing happened. And so that's when he started to recognize patterns. So he started to break down the patterns of the superpowers throughout the last 500 years. And first, you kind of have to. First, you kind of have to figure out what makes a superpower a superpower. So. He really, he breaks it down into a list of metrics that are measurable and then he, and then he charts them together to get an average of, you know, where a country is for all these things. And and these metrics include education, technology development, competitive, competitiveness in global markets, economic output, share of world trade, military strength. The power of their financial centers and the strength of the currency as a reserve currency. And then he charts these things together. And what, what the amazing thing was is as he went back and charted all these things for all of the kind of empire powers over the last 500 years, he sees this almost stereotypical arc in all of these things. And as one is goes up and then it, crests and then it's starting to come back down and then another power is coming up so you had the dutch because of the dust dutch east indian trading company the dutch were the most powerful um basically country business in the in the world and all this happened and then as it started to go down britain was coming up and british was building up their empire and they were the the cool thing about what about what the british did is they were one of the first if you want to call it an empire or superpower that basically just allowed countries to become part of them as a whole, but they never really conquered anyone. So this was one of the first kind of, I guess you would call it a, a, a peaceful empire building because people wanted to be part of the British empire because it meant safety. It meant power. It meant trade capability. It meant being able to access global markets and if you're a country, and especially if you're a small country that, you know, you, you want your pie to grow, because if all you're ever concerned about is your, your, 
you're making your slice of the pie bigger and never making the pie bigger, you're always just fighting for nickels versus if you're concerned about actually growing your country's pie, basically your GDP, then you have to have access to global markets. You have to have global trade routes. You have to have um, security for your trading and all this stuff. So the cool thing about the British empire is, is is it, it was, it was really one of the first where they were like, allowing countries to become part of the empire, but not going and conquering countries and saying, you know, we overthrew your leadership. You are part of the, the British empire. But so he, he tracks this, the growth of the Dutch and then the decline of the Dutch, the growth of the growth of the British and then the decline of the British and then the growth of the United States. And now the decline of the United States and the growth of China. And so he is He's watched all of this and, and traced all of these metrics. And it's pretty cool how, how the cycle works. And he's got a great image here of how the cycle works, but I'll kind of just talk it through because an image isn't really going to do much on a fucking podcast. But first, there's usually a major conflict. So if you think of the, the growth of the United States, the major conflict would have been World War II. And so the Allied powers were fighting Germany. And while a lot of intelligence and a lot of might and a lot of um, espionage and stuff came from France and Britain, a a bulk of the kind of power and a bulk of the uh, hardware came from the United States. And on the backside of this conflict, the United States emerged as the kind of reigning superpower of what we know today. Now we're sort of on a decline. I don't know if we'll be able to save that decline or lengthen that decline. But so after a major conflict, nobody wants to challenge the new power. So there's this kind of period of peace and prosperity. Everybody's just doing business. Nobody's fighting. Nobody's trying to take over the power of someone else. And and there's this, this period of peace. And because of this period of peace, people start to, to speculate and they start to bet on this peace continuing and they start to borrow money to invest because if you can make 7% on your dollar and you have $100, you can make $7 next year. But if you can make 7% on your money and you have $100,000, you can make $7,000 next year, right? So like right. It's, it's simple math. So they start to leverage their debt to be able to invest. And we see it now with people using home equity lines of credit to invest in the stock market. We see it with people putting money in their savings in their 401k, but then also running $25,000 with a credit card debt that they're constantly paying on, right? So we have this, we're seeing this entire cycle right now. And then as the power share in the global trade grows for that superpower country, the majority of world trade eventually becomes done in that currency. This is what makes that currency a reserve currency. So prior to the dollar being the the reserve currency for the world, it was the British pound. And now it's the dollar and who knows how much longer that's going to last, but and then because of when when the dollar becomes the world currency or the reserve currency, there's more faith in the economy of that country. So more borrowing happens and this ends up creating a bubble. And because of many human traits and circumstances, it leads to a giant growth in 
the wealth disparity between the haves and the have nots. Basically, if you want to try to simple, simple idea of why this happens, if you're born into a family that has wealth, you learn how to use that wealth. You have that wealth and you're, you're able to capitalize on that wealth and make more money with the money that you have. Versus if you're born into a family that doesn't have anything, it's really hard to learn those things. And then it's also hard to get the capital to even if you understand the economy and you, and you know how to invest in it, it's hard to get the capital and the trust that, pe- that, that people will give you to be able to do that. So the wealth gap between the poor and the rich becomes more and more and more as this superpower becomes more powerful. Eventually, the financial bubble bursts that leads to the printing of money. Does that sound familiar? Yep. <laughs> we've done it over, uh. the last, over the last 15 years. We've done it pretty drastically between the different stimuluses and the, you know, bailing ourselves out of the 2008 crisis and bailing the banks out and all of this. We've, we've devalued our currency pretty drastically. Um, this increases internal con- conflict beca- between the haves and have nots because the bubble is burst. And this leads to some sort of internal revolution for the redistribution of wealth. Sometimes it's peaceful. Sometimes it's not peaceful. Sometimes it's war. But what this does is this diminishes the power that the country has because you're no longer one united country thinking about growing and improving and building more, producing more, creating more value, and then trading it with the rest of the world, right? So kind of the power of the country is, even though you're still a superpower, you're kind of a declining superpower because of the division and the de- divisiveness, which I think What's we going on right now. I think we can see it and feel it. We can look around and kind of understand that that we're kind of in that. That's Trump's fault, though. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Barack Obama was as divisive or yes. more divisive as Donald Trump ever was, and I do not disagree that that Donald Trump was divisive. He was. But both sides have had some shitty, shitty leadership. And that's one of the things that he talks about as he gets deeper into this video is when you're on a growth trajectory, the choosing of of following leaders is done really intelligently. Yeah, I think the difference between Barack Obama, Barack Obama was pretty underhandedly divisive. Yeah. Trump, the media helped propagate that. I mean, seriously. Yep. And then now you got, you know, your brother Joe, who's senile as hell. He just, I think he's just incompetent. <laughs> just continuing that. And then as the, uh, as that internal um, conflict grows, it diminishes the country's power in relative to an existing rising power. So if you think about the internal struggle that was, ha- that's happening now, decreasing our, our overall power. In comparison to a unified China, which you and I both know, they're not necessarily unified, but they are manipulated to all work together towards the common goal. Yeah. Um, When the up and coming power becomes powerful enough to take on the current power, external conflicts, generally wars take place. Um, That happened to be the Germans in World War Two. But that doesn't mean it. It's every single growth. Um, the way that he explains it is like if you looked at everyone's life cycle, everyone's life cycle is a little different, right? You can't say everybody lives to be 80 years old because you're going to have some short life cycles 
and you're going to have some longer life cycles. But the life cycle, whether it's 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 or 90 years, generally follow a similar trajectory of like low power to maturity to powerful and then the power decreases and then, you you know, you kind of go to it to, to your death. And after a conflict, there's are winners and losers. And the winners get together to create the new world order. So what that looked like post-World War II was a ton of different treaties that were put forth post-World War II that made the dollar the reserve currency. It made the American market the dominant stock market. It made global trade done to you know rules set forth by us. And the scary part as I started to to research into this is how almost cookie cutter this this growth trajectory and then and then fall of power is. And I don't think that we understood that growing up as Americans. We always just thought like we're the best. Right. Right. So, so we're sitting in the you are here type of map right now yeah and it's and it's a it's a really interesting thing to think about because <sighs> education is the caveat to the entire cycle because as a population becomes more well educated they are able to evolve and create and solve problems and build technologies and design technologies and patent things and just everything becomes better as your population becomes more intelligent, right? True education. True intelligence. Right now, true education. education is a word just getting thrown around right now. Well, I, I mean, realistically, this entire problem could be exacerbated because of the length of strength of the American educational system. Because do people come out well-educated or do they come out well-degreed? Indoctrinated. I would probably say a majority is indoctrinated versus educated. And so without looking at that, I don't think there's any way to slow this down or to elongate our time as a superpower. And I don't necessarily know that the next superpower is going to have any care in the overall safety of humans as the way Americans do. I think we all know who the next superpower is going to be. Yeah, for sure. The only thing is if it destructs from the inside because it's the way that it's being kind of forced together. I don't know. And and that's, you know, you know more about that than I it's, do. It's it's not a sustainable model. So they can, I don't know, I think it will get more primitive. But I think it's it's happened a long it's I mean, okay, I mean we're talking about China obviously. Yeah, yeah, no, right. Okay. So I mean China's been quietly building up their empire. Yep. Quietly. It was what 1920, 1930, when the Chinese Communist Party won the Civil War in China, I think. Yeah. Something to that effect. And then it's it's been a slow plan since then. Yeah. But it's working out, and that's uh, 
unfortunately, <laughs> it's the direction we're headed. I think well, it's inevitable. And a unified. So let's just take a. You know, let's take a, a let's let's take a a, a a rowing team, right? Just simple simple analogy. We have a, a boat full of rowers, and we have team one, which is the the Chinese red team, and none of those rowers really want to be there, but they've got a guy at the head of the boat with a really really heavy whip that they listen because he whips hard, right? And so they're rowing, they're rowing hard. And then you've got two other boats, and one of them is a unified, independent American boat of a bunch of people who want to win. They want to be the best, and they're unified, and they're rowing their asses off because they want to win, because they want to be the best. That team is going to beat the whipped team every time. But then there's that third team, which is kind of where we're at now, which is like, this divided, separated team where some of us want to win. Some of us just don't even want to be there. There is no real leadership right, in place to like bring us together and motivate us and inspire us. And so the, you know, the, those are the two, those are the two places where we're at and, and we're looking down the barrel of one or the other. And I don't know yeah. how to lean us more towards the, the better of those two. I don't know. It's historically, there really is nothing. Right? Like with that, and that's, we've seen all of these empires. We've seen the growth of the Mongolian empire. They get fat, they get lazy, and they get overrun. We've seen the growth of the Roman empire. They get fat, they get lazy. There's internal conflict. They are unable to stay up on their abilities, and they get overrun. Yep. Right. Like we've seen and the kind of the Persian Empire is kind of the, a good example of the Chinese Empire. Right. Because a majority of those that fought for the Persians were just slaves. They were slaves from other countries that that fought because their country was taken over by the army. Yeah. Yeah. Watch 300 if you need a documentary. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But so that's what I just I wanted to break this down as. Just, I really want people to open the conversation up about how do we come together and overlook our differences to realize that we're all on the same team. And I really do truly feel that our team isn't the American team. It is the human rights team. Yeah, but uh, the only way to do that is people shut the TV off. You know, uh, they're way too influenced right now by the mainstream media, way too influenced by the headlines. It's just it's uh, lazy thinking. So how do you get people to change their mindset to really come together and have a discussion? We need better leadership, period, yeah. in all aspects. Yeah leadership and then you got influences right because what do you if you think about influences and leadership what do we have right now we have divisive politicians yep there's a few there that that try to go across the line you know tulsi gabbard dan crenshaw there's a few of them that are intelligent well-spoken individuals but they're most of them are just divisive yeah and then you've got celebrities and you've got social media influencers 
And as far as celebrities and social media influencers, celebrities are idiots. And social yeah. media influencers thrive off of echo chambers. Yeah. We have no, there's no real beneficial, positive place for a leader to be, which means we need to fix the fucking government. Yeah. How's that going to work? Because they got to legislate themselves then. They're going to have to legislate themselves or we get the, what is it? The, the Congress of States or whatever. Yeah. The so convention of states. Convention of states. We talked about. I mean, I signed that. Oh man, that was probably like three, four years ago. But it hasn't hasn't moved. I don't think it's moved the needle much. So, I mean, because if we, so first of all, we need leadership. We need to be united. We need to look at education, but then after education right if we if we fix education then our our technology development our overall value right our piece of the pie will grow after our overall piece of the pie starts to grow we start to regain our competitiveness right because other countries are wanting things that we're making again yeah whether it be technology or um I guess what, what I guess technology is still like web services are still technology, right? Um, and then after that, everything else kind of starts to starts to come in place, you know? Yeah, I don't know, but that's that's a utopia. I don't know if I ever. I don't think I'll ever get that point. You don't think we can fix it? I think the system is too corrupt and unless you have enough people that are willing to stand up and make that change, which I don't think there is. So what do we do? Just jump fences? Put I don't our, know, dude. Put I already told on. you, you know. Put our red hats on? <laughs> I already told you, you know, I got my uh, my Trump card. Right? I'm or not talking just... about Donald Trump. No, yeah, I got it. But It um, is kind of interesting that it's called the Trump card, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, now it's... <laughs> you gotta be careful whether they say Trump or not because... Half the people go, you know, ballistic if you say that word. Right. Everything's associated with him. But yes, what, what do you call it? My ace card. Your ace in the hole. Yeah. I'm um, just joking, by the way, which I, I have no freaking clue. I mean, the whole thing is scary. It is. It really is scary. And the more, and the more you break it down, you, you, all right. So if you, just come, if you just come to grips with the fact that we're on the downhill swing, right? Yeah. Then what do you do to try to mitigate, like, the negative effects on your family? Yeah, I mean, what are you, what's life going to look like for your kids? You know, your children, your children's children. It's something that is, what are we leaving them with? What are they going to have to deal with? I mean, if you, if you look at, if you look at kind of the decline of the most recent powers prior to us, like, it's not like Britain is a third world country, no. right? I mean, they're still like, it's, it's just not a superpower anymore. They're they're no longer a, a player in the world's economy. Yeah. Now I think the United States, just because of the sheer size of our natural resources, will always be a fairly big player as long as like we don't get taken over. Yeah. I don't know if that's realistic. I think we just no longer are the power the powerhouse that we were. Yeah, it's it's I don't know it's a different world. I mean, I look at uh, Hong Kong as kind of a little bit of an example of what could happen with 
China and the U.S. Yeah, because elaborate on Hong Kong. Hong Kong was a British territory, correct? Yeah, Hong Kong was a British territory. And then there was an agreement to um, basically have uh, China take over in 1997. So it's 97? I knew I thought it was 99, but yeah, okay. So when China took over in 97, basically they were like, oh, wait a second. Uh, Look at how, you know, prosperous this little uh, this little country is so okay we're gonna basically have it as its own independent uh you know republic you know hong kong separate from china well as the years went on basically i mean they've they've pilfered they've you know taken all that profit out of hong kong and now they've slowly kind of pushed the culture in and you're seeing that a lot with the the young people in hong kong that have now kind of not infiltrated, but have been kind of indoctrinated slowly with, you know, what's going on in China. Because when you're there, I mean, it's weird. And I don't know. I mean, I hope it never has to happen here. It was, it almost sounded like that during COVID, but you know, I'm walking on a public street and then you get the public PA service going on, telling you how you need to behave or how you need to act or how, how you need to make sure that you're walking this way or not sitting on this bench. Um, and some of it is good. I mean, it's a lot of it's, uh, they really care for their elderly there, but other than that, it's, it's very morbid. Um, the culture's not, not like this where the, we have so much freedom. We go to the store, buy what we want, do what we want, uh, have all these plans. You know, it seems like in America, everybody's got plans on the weekend. You know, we're going to travel here. We're going to have a spring break here. We're going to have Christmas here, Thanksgiving, everybody visiting. It's, it's, it's not like that there. You know, if you if you just in Hong Kong downtown, yeah, it looks like that because you got about a million tourists and it's built for that. Right. You pull up and you're like, wow, look at that. It's got a massive glass Apple store, you know, sitting on the coastline. But as you get into uh, the residential areas, it's night and day. I mean, I don't want to say it's third world, but it's almost like a concrete third world. You know, and it was and, and Hong Kong was the kind of the business epicenter. Yeah. Of of that part of the world. Yeah. And right? it still is. Okay. I mean, it's, it's bigger than New York. Okay. Um, and it's just more concentrated. It's very vertical. But um, it's to a point where communism is slowly destroying that. Because communism doesn't produce anything. Okay? That's the prime thing you have to remember. Socialism, communism, however they want to... They're trying to sell it here as, oh, well, communism would work if they only tried it a little bit different. Well, what, what are you going to try any different? It doesn't produce anything. It just basically pillages and pilfers. And it just forces one group to be slaves. And I think that's where we got this, uh, um, you know, what is it? The wealth, the class, class struggle, class war, whatever you want to call oh, it. Oh, yeah, the, the gap. Yeah. yeah. They want to get rid of that because when you get rid of that, guess what? The haves and the have-nots, the have-nots are going to be producing everything that you need. And the have-nots are going to be miserable. But that's what they want. They're in power. They want more power. They want more wealth. That's what's, you know, unfortunately, that's what's going to happen here, I think. That's what's happening in Hong Kong right now. So. I mean, but it just, it just transfers power from the business individual to the government individual. That's the weird thing. Like, it doesn't actually separate power and give it back to the people. It takes power away from industry. And gives it to elected officials. Yeah. But you see how elected officials run, uh, you know, the DMV. Oh, they're everything. That's uh, everything. The the word bureaucratic, the word bureaucratic is a negative term for a reason. Yeah. 
but that's how everything would be. And that's how everything is over there. And it's, it's a shame. I mean, you cross the border where my brother works and it's basically like that, but you know, you will have your profit centers where people go touring and see all the great stuff, but you know, you're not seeing the background where these people are working, you know, six days a week and the government's pushing the work seven days a week. You know, what's, what's their time off? What's their enjoyment? Are they going to have time for vacation? No, it's a miserable life, man. And that's where, that's where I kind of, I feel like we started, the, we started the podcast with kind of the rise and fall of superpowers. And I opened up and broke down what, what Ray Dalio has charted as kind of the decline of the United States as a, as a superpower, as an empire, right? Cause it's kind of the fall of empires is the name of the podcast. Um, but then as we, as we break into the, the up and coming power, China, right. And as you start to talk more about that, it, I almost feel like on a positive note, I have more faith in the human spirit than that. Like, I feel that that, like you said, is not sustainable. I feel like that's so unsustainable that it, at any moment it could implode. I don't know. I mean, it's unsustainable for the people there, but the only thing that would um, get you out of that situation is the revolution. Yes. Which and we've seen happen in so many Middle Eastern countries. China's just really, really good at manipulating the information that their country receives. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, you're very hopeful, but I look at our population and even we talked about it last week is like, I mean, you have 10% of people that have any type of self-awareness in this country. And all you have to do is walk down the street or go, go to a store and look around. You're like, are these people are going to revolt? It's, it's going back to the beginning of this podcast is almost like the you are here map, right? But our life is too easy. That's why we won't revolt. Because our life is easy, is easy. Yeah, we're in the good times made soft men and soft men. And boom, there's yeah. where the you are here star is yeah. sitting right now. So what is it? It's going to be our kids, our kids' kids. But I don't see it happening in our lifetime, no. I just, I'm, I wonder if the power or the pressure, not the power, the pressure on the individual populace in China, if they could see what the possibilities are could cause a revolution there. Yeah. That's why they want to keep it from them. I know. That's why they hate but the does, Western world. They're, but they're does, does Elon Musk's internet satellite internet open up stuff like that? Right. Or just all so many different technologies. Starlink. Yeah. But problem is, are they going to have access to it? Cause right now they're already people in China are told what social media they can use. Yes. But if, how are they told that? Because yeah, it only runs through the VPN. Yeah. So, so they if they're able to access, else. if they are able to access Starlink, then it's no longer ran through a governmental VPN. But they would have they, to have devices to access it. Yeah. Need devices. And who's a, where's the service provider? You know, how are they going to contact? Them? Musk might do it for free. Yeah, I don't know, man. He's an animal. I think China would take him out before then. Yeah, he might. So. Like he talked about, he's a marked man. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was it's kind of a shorter one this week. I just wanted to. I was I was going through Dalio's principles. We were talking about empires. We were talking about how scary it is where we're at. Um, and I just, I I'm I worry, but I'm hopeful. 
And I think that if anybody could do it, it's the, it's the United States of America. But I think that that, that real United States individual, that, that human that wants that is going to have to come together. They're going to have to have conversations because I really do think like the shitty part of the sh- shitty part of our country that we talk about, right? It's a, it's a vocal minority. It's not the majority of people. You don't walk around your street, walk up and down the street right out here out, out this gorgeous window. There's not half of these people out here that, that don't want that. You know, I think that right. there's a majority of people still want American exceptionalism. I don't know. You're positive. I don't know. I, I have to go back to. I think we are so set in our, our ways are so set in comfortability. Um, I remember uh, that Dr. Hubrick uh, or whatever that I was talking about last yep. week. Yeah. So they did another study, right? And, you know, self-awareness is what it goes back to. And they did a study where they basically took five um, of the identical pantyhose and sent out this survey, this image of five different pantyhose, A, B, C, D, E, right? and had them choose, okay, which is the better pantyhose? Well, these are identical, but four or yeah, uh, four out of six or four out of five people chose always the one furthest to the right because it's just how the mind works, right? You always pick the last one. And when they're basically a lot of these uh, people were told is like, well, okay, this is why you chose this, but these were all the same. Majority of those people were adamant that that right one was still better than every all the other, you know, the other pantyhose, even though they're identical. Because they were married to their decision. Yeah, they weren't able to. It kind of realize that yeah. they were manipulated. A couple of podcasts ago, where I'm talking about a uh, dish, dish soap. Yeah, some people are so set that this is right and nothing's ever going to be you know different than that. I think we're to a point where there's some people that are that way politically. And not just politically, but just in their mindset of how they are physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, that they're going to be, that's that ego again, right? That this little box is how the world is going to be and nothing else will tell them differently. I think we're at that point where 80, 90% of the population is somewhere in there. Man, I fucking hope not. I got faith. I got faith in the in the individual you got you, faith that if they you get did this not podcast, look at me you did will. not look at me well after that that was not a good look <laughs> you guys should be lucky that one wasn't on camera oh well i hope you're right me too all i'm saying all right i think that's a wrap for the week all right later